Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So then, an undercover team working for British newspaper The Sun recently published an investigative report uncovering shocking details of an ongoing slave trade involving child survivors of last year's Nepal earthquake and other vulnerable children, apparently being trafficked into the UK as domestic slaves. According to the report, kids as young as 10 are being sold for more than £5,000 by underground gangs. The Home Secretary, Theresa May, has called on the National Crime Agency to launch a probe. Let's bring in Professor Gary Craig of Durham University School of Applied Social Sciences and also of the Forced Labour Monitoring Group. Good morning to you from Korea. Good morning. So what's the response been like in the UK since the news broke out? Presumably as shocked as many of us have been seeing it from abroad. Well, I imagine most people are shocked. And, of course, it's shocking news, but I'm not surprised because the trafficking of children is a growing crime. Millions of children are being trafficked. The way in which it happens varies from one country to another, um, but the phenomenon is, is a very common one. Uh, some children are trafficked across international borders. Some children are trafficked within international borders. For example, children in Ghana are trafficked by uh, criminal gangs to work on Volta Lake, uh, helping fishermen uh, unsnag their nets, quite often drowning in the process. Uh, but children are trafficked uh, from, from many different countries to many other different countries. It's a crime which is on the increase. What's truly surprising, though, is the idea that British families would want to buy these children. Who are these families? Do we know? Well, there, there has been some recent legislation in Britain called the Modern Slavery Act, which was passed just over a year ago. And one of the most contentious issues within the Act was the issue about visas for domestic servants. Rich people... Uh, diplomats uh, can come into the UK uh, and on their visa they may include domestic servants. Uh, they may also include people who are alleged to be members of their family, although sometimes this is obviously a dishonest claim. The point, though, is that the situation of these domestic servants, be they adults or children, is, is one of uh, great vulnerability because... If they protest the situation that they find themselves in, uh, they may then face deportation. Now, for adults, uh, this may mean that they're sent back to their own country, and this has happened quite a lot to Filipino women and women from Thailand. Mm. And the reason they take these jobs uh, is in order to be able to send remittances back to their home countries in order to pay for the education of their children. In the case of children, uh, the situation is much more blurred. We know that children, uh, if they are sent back to other countries, uh, which they shouldn't be if they're unaccompanied, 
uh, may end up being uh, re-trafficked. Uh, they may end up in all kinds of very, very difficult situations, mm. and, and very often we don't know what is actually happening to them. Uh, what's happening at the moment is that because of the chaos surrounding the Middle East, particularly Iraq and Syria, we do know that tens of thousands of children have either come unaccompanied as refugees or have been separated from their carers. And it's estimated that probably tens of thousands of children have disappeared. Uh, they are being trafficked in all sorts of ways. And there's absolutely no doubt, I think, that some of these children will end up in these kinds of situations. They will be offered to wealthy families or to diplomats uh, as sources of cheap labour. I mean, from the children's perspective, abuse is abuse. But as a matter of curiosity, are we talking about British families? Are we talking about foreign families who have moved to the UK? Well, all the evidence at the moment is that it tends to be more people who've come to the UK to work and bring people with them. Um, now, this may be co-ethnics. There, there was a case recently, for example, where uh, a, a woman aged about 23 was rescued. She had been in domestic servitude, and she'd been in domestic servitude since the age of 12 or 13. Mm. She'd been brought into this country by a family who came from the same ethnic group uh, in South Asia uh, and had been held in domestic servitude for more than 10 years. Um, now, I know the story from Nepal suggests that uh, people are being told if you want to buy a child, uh, then by all means buy them, but it's probably better to wait for two or three years until they're a bit older because you'll then have a much better chance of being able to bring them into, into the UK. Well, the border agencies are, are, are getting more wise to what's happening, but they're still, in general, a long way behind the curve. So this sort of thing is probably going on uh, to, to, to a level which is at the moment unrecognised. The problem, of course, nowadays is that because trafficking is a crime, uh, data is very difficult to get hold of uh, and criminals are operating in, in, in covert ways. Yes, but the article in question, the report that we mentioned before, suggested about 1,000 kids were trafficked into the UK last year. So the numbers that we are able to find out are, are considerably high. And... Uh, and, and you're saying they may be much higher than that again? Well, the government's chief scientific advisor suggested that there might be 13,000 people at any one time in the UK in forms of modern slavery. All the knowledgeable commentators suggest that there's a huge underestimate. Now, we have a thing called the National Referral Mechanism, which is the formal system by which people can identify themselves as victims of trafficking. Last year, something like 3,500 people went through that referral mechanism, and about 40% of those were minors in terms of the United Nations definition. That is to say they were under 18. Very few of them actually were um, younger than about 13. But it is obviously possible, quite easy, for a 14- or 15-year-old person uh, particularly from other cultures, such as uh, West African cultures, to pass themselves off as over 16, for example. Uh, and the laws in this country 
whilst uh, a, a, a person is regarded formally as a child at the age of 18, they have a great deal of legal discretion about how they can deal with their own lives from, from the age of uh, 16 onwards. Mm. So of those 3,500, 1,300, 1,400 will have been children. Now, the problem is that those 3,500 are the ones who have been identified and have agreed to go through this formal procedure. Now, again, everybody who's knowledgeable about the system says it's quite clear that very many more, when faced with the possibility of trying to identify themselves as having been trafficked, actually back off because they're quite frightened of authority, they're frightened of uh, retribution either on themselves or their families by mm. the traffickers, and therefore that number of 3,500 or, or 1,300 children is probably a very, very substantial underestimate. And the thing is, the, the Nepal earthquake is a is an example that draws a lot of attention, but uh, there are cases of just coming from a very destitute background where yeah. being a modern-day yeah. slave in the UK might not necessarily, you know, as awful as it sounds, it might not necessarily be worse than, than being a, a slave to poverty in India, for example. Well, uh, children are vulnerable for all sorts of reasons. As you say, it might well be poverty. Uh, it might be a very difficult family background. It might be the chaos of war. It might be the fact that there is huge dislocation because of climate change. There are all sorts of reasons why children may be vulnerable. I mean, for example, in, in uh, uh, Central America, uh, a huge number of children have actually been trafficked from the northern parts of Latin America uh, through Mexico uh, and into the United States. Uh, because of the impacts of, of poverty and the impacts of climate change. Uh, and many of them have ended up as, as servants for, for wealthy uh, Americans. Again, it, that will also jar a few of our listeners, I'm sure. What can we do to get to the root of the poverty? It would seem that if, if we can do that, then that would uh, at least reduce the pool of uh, potential slaves, as well as uh, laws like the Modern Slavery Act? Well, slavery is actually illegal in virtually every country in the world. So uh, the, the issue is not about international legislation. The issue is about how well that legislation is observed by uh, countries uh, and how effective the training and preparation is of people who are tasked with identifying children and adults who, who've been trafficked. So uh, in each national context, you might say health workers, social workers, border agency, uh, guards, uh, police, uh, and so on, all have a responsibility uh, to be trained and to become aware of, of the situation so that they can spot the victims of trafficking. Mm. Now, that's actually dealing with the symptoms. That's not dealing with the cause. The cause obviously has to be seen in terms of what are the drivers which cause children and adults to be trafficked. Now, we've already talked about some of those. It's poverty and it's dislocation. It's war. We know that uh, as a result of the Syrian conflict, uh, thousands, possibly tens of thousands of children have disappeared and are being uh, processed, if you like, by, by criminal gangs. Uh, the answer to that, of course, is is to stop poverty, stop war, 
and stop the processes which actually lead to this kind of thing happening. So challenging, now, Professor Craig. Any, any um, more wealthy government can actually do something about this through its overseas aid programme. For example, some years ago, the British government said that they would only give aid to countries who were beginning quite explicitly to implement uh, a clearly defined anti-poverty strategy. Yeah, so that there, there is a certain level of government pressure that can be put on then, um, yeah. despite what seems like a very challenging scenario. Uh, Professor Craig, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today. OK, thank you. Thank you for your time. If somebody can send me a link uh, to this, uh, it would be very use useful so I can play the sound file sure. to some of my students. Sure, I will pass that on to our writer. Professor Gary Craig from Durham University and the Force Labour Monitoring Group. Great to have you with us on the line. And you can email any comments and questions you have to efmthismorning at gmail.com.